let me introduce you to inspiring entrepreneurs. Hi there, my name is Ben Gothard. My mission is to interview incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world and present their stories to you, unscripted and unedited. From billionaires to Forbes 30 under 30 recipients to New York Times bestselling authors and much, much more, these people are living proof that nothing is impossible. Join me on this journey to learn from their experiences and become the person you're meant to be. Welcome to the Project Egg Show every morning at 8 a.m. Central. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Project Egg Show. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Adil Amarsi, a gentleman who is not only hilarious, but he's also helped his clients do over half of a billion with a B dollars in sales. How you doing today, Adil? Uh, ben, I'm glad. Thank you. I'm so happy. I'm glad that I'm here. You are one funny fucker yourself. Let's just put it that way. You had me cracking up. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I'm already laughing. I'm already like, there's not, there's nothing funny yet, but I'm already I laughing. Said anything. <laughs> so let's jump right in. What is your story? Oh, awesome. Uh, which story are we going with here? Are we talking about like how I got into doing what I do right now? The big one. Ooh, talking the big about one. cool. The, the one that basically is me, my origin story. By the way, just a heads up to everyone listening. Um, I have a very weird sense of humor, so I will be changing voices, doing random stuff during the show. But please do listen all the way through because I will be giving you literally every copy gut nugget you will ever need on how to make a crap ton of money. So that's my promise. Um, why am I looking at my microphone? I said that no idea, but let's go with it. Basically. So my origin story is I was about five years old and this is a true thing. I was five years old. My dad was paralyzed from the waist down for two years. Now, for those that don't understand that don't know how the brain forms the way it does, uh, our brains actually don't have a conscious brain until we're seven. So five, six, and seven, those two years are like the most important, crucial to actually develop our personality and how we think and do things. In that time period, my dad had a very weird, uh, as I said, he was paralyzed from the waist down for like two years. It was a herniated disc, I think. Um, the two, the, he had like a weird set of TV shows he liked watching, particularly a trivia show called 15 to 1, a numbers and game show called Countdown. If you're in the UK, you should be familiar. If you're in the US or anywhere in the world, look it up on YouTube. There's a really fun version called 8 out of 10 cats do countdown. Same rules, but more funny. Um, but the one I watched was very, very serious. And my dad's weirdest obsession, the Home Shopping Channel. Don't know why. The man loved the Home Shopping Channel. He literally watched the Home Shopping Channel two hours a day, six days a week for two years. And I have a big sister that used to beat the crap out of me. So you do the math of how I basically sneakily found out how to watch cartoons. It's known as sitting next to your parents and annoying them enough or basically sitting with them long enough until they move and then changing the channel. So I would have Billy Mays basically going in here with words, numbers, and trivia every day for two years, um, six days a week, two hours a day for that part of my life. Well, it was actually three hours because the other shows were like half hour each at the time. Anyway, fast forward to me at 11 years old. My dad's fine and well. 
Uh, my parents get told by my teacher, your son's smart, but he actually writes really, really, really slowly. Um, if we look back at it, if I had been tested for this when I was younger, it, they would have basically put me more on the spectrum, um, which I've been told by multiple people because of like, I apparently have key indicated markers, which I find strange, but whatevs. Um, so anyway, basically my parents get told, do you know, your son's a bit of a perfectionist. If I like, it was so bad that if I put a full stop, like a period point at the end of a sentence on the page and I just put like one millimeter above or below like the line, I'd get so mad and rip the page out and start again. Like it was, it was terrible. I was like horrible for doing that. So my parents were like, okay, cool. He needs to go do this before he goes to like middle school. Um, and so like my parents basically just made me write. They just got me to write stories every single day. And that kind of bled through until I was about 13. Um, my parents separated for a little bit. I got into martial arts. I got into hip hop and writing music and basically just composing beats and stuff for other people. I never gave up on my ability to write. I always kept writing. In fact, I actually stopped drawing because my art teacher pissed me off so much. So I decided to go into writing full time. So I started to write and just express myself and write poems and write stories about everything I saw. But every week I had to give this, like my document, like my writing thing, uh, my notepad. Yeah, my writing notepad to my dad every week um, to make sure that he actually could read through it and see what was in there because he wanted to keep progress. Now at the time my dad again could walk for a couple of years and my parents separated when I was like 13. So my commute to school went from 30 minutes walking to two hours on the bus. Like every day I'd do an hour there, an hour back. And I was a bit of a lonely kid. So I spend most of my time in my head in my book writing. Fast forward to 18 years old. I'm in a network marketing company. Me and my upline fall out. Uh, I end up going through this whole little thing where I'm like, oh, I'll try this online thing, whatever. See what happens. I try online digital marketing for a network marketing company that was a self-development company. And next thing I know, I had seven people sign up from 10 people reading my post. I had a 70% conversion rate almost immediately without knowing I was a copywriter. No idea what one was. Went to a seminar, spoke to the guys at the seminar. They were like, hey, we like you. What do you do? I was like, I'm terrible at getting traffic, but apparently seven people bought out of a 10 page, 10 people saw this post, seven people bought. And they're like, 70% conversion. I was like, yeah, it should have been like a hundred, but you know, 70, not too bad. They're like, they just looked at me like I was being an idiot, but I was like, N cause in my brain, in my innocent brain, I thought you'd get a hundred percent. That's where my brain came from. I was like, Oh, if it was good, everyone would buy it. <laughs> it's like seven down 10 did such a moron looking back. Um, went through, became a copywriter, had low self-esteem. So did not charge enough. Like I used to be able to do a full, launch funnel, meaning like sales letter, emails, JV page, upsell, downsell, emails afterwards. Uh, I used to do that $500 and I'd get it done in 12 hours. Right, 500 bucks, 12 hours. To give you guys an idea now, I'm turning 30 this year. I'm about five and a half months away from turning 30 by when we're recording the show. because my birthday's at the end of September. Um, I ended up, I for that same package, you'd be paying around $18,000 plus 15% of the take. Like that, and you'll get, and you'll wait eight weeks for me to write because I need to get everything perfect before I do it. Before I was just like kind of gunslinging, thinking I got this. Right now I understand there's rules and the more you learn, the more you kind of want to masterfully, masterfully craft every word correctly. It's not like, haha, here's a hundred words. It's more like, every word on that page earned its place. So that's basically my story of how I went on, how I basically broke into my big success. Um, as I said, charging very little around the time. Someone saw my work and asked me to actually write a direct response campaign for them, like a direct mailing ad for them in the real estate market in the UK for a 
course, I think it was like £15,000, so about $18,000 for four years. So it was high ticket. Uh, Before things became high ticket, they were just known as being expensive. It was a very expensive seminar um, and workshop, and they would support you for a full year of mentoring. The take I had was it was £3,000, which was more money than I'd ever seen at the time, plus I think, if I remember correctly, it was like 3% or 8%. It was a really low number. I think it was like 3%, to be fair. Uh, of the takings, of the first week's takings. They mailed this thing out. And I remember getting the phone call while I was working a job as well because I was doing door-to-door sales. I get this phone call. Hey, have you checked your account? No. Hang up the phone. Bank calls. Hey, could you confirm your name? Blah, blah, blah. By the way, this company's deposited 80,000 pounds in your account. So $150,000 at the time. I'm 19 years old. I'm like, shit, how the fuck do I do this? I looked at the metrics. We did about 3.5 million pounds or around $6 million at the time in seven days with the mail that I created. I don't know how much they went on to make afterwards, but they killed it because their refund rates were ridiculously low. So I was like, cool with that. And that was quite happy. And from there on in, I just started building a reputation as being this assassin with conversions. Like I'd look at your sales page and see what was wrong with it within seconds. I can figure out your story within moments. Like if I don't, like Ben, I don't really know you. I bet you I can ask you three questions. I can find out your story and tell tell your story better than you can tell it yourself. Like that's at that point where my brain has got to, I'm like, yeah, I can just do this. It's piss easy, but that's my story. So those three questions, I would definitely love to put you on the spot and do that. All right, let's do this. I love doing that. All right. So the first question is, uh, all right. So this isn't one of the three questions. This is me just getting to know you. So what is it that you do? What was the crux of your business? I interview entrepreneurs. Okay. So you're an interviewer, almost like a digital journalist more than anything else. In all fairness, that's the first thing I differentiate myself with. What do you do? Digital journalist. What do you mean? I interview the successful I interview successful entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general, and I get them on my show and get them to spill secrets they don't usually share elsewhere. Bam. That's your that's your hook right there. To, I don't even know your damn story, but here's here's how we'll do this. So the first question is, what was the big defeat that led you to go down this path hole? When I launched my first book in July, on July 3rd of 2016, I messaged every single person that I'd ever met in my entire life and tried to sell my book and hit number 88 in the business category on, on Amazon and quickly realized that I didn't know enough people and I didn't really know that much about anything when it came to marketing. So then I wanted to put people in a group entrepreneurs listen to their problems, write books to solve them. And then I very quickly realized that the people in the group way more knowledgeable than me. So I might as well just ask them for the answers instead of trying to come up with them myself. Okay. So that was, that was the big defeat was the fact that you realized that you didn't know what you're doing. So what was the greatest victory in relation to that? So now you've had this happen. What was that point that you hit that you were like, yeah, I got this. In regards to the show itself? No, in regards to like your career, like in, in the sense of, how do I put this? So you've gone through this whole situation where your book's not launched. It is launched, but it's number 88. You realize all the stuff. What was that thing that you did that made you victorious? That you looked back at that failure and you went, cool, now I'm victorious. Did you relaunch another book that was higher in the lists or... Yeah, I mean, I've, I've published probably 10 more books since then. And I've, we've, I've hit the number one Amazon bestseller list. But I think the, the, one of the shining moments in my career has been um, 
interviewing Grant Cardone, getting to fly to Miami in the studio with him, getting to interview him. Yeah, I saw that. That was pretty cool. So that's a victorious moment that you actually got to hang out with like people you admire. Exactly. So you've also been able, the other victories that you've actually been able to understand how to launch books at a high success rate to get to number one bestseller. So I was like, that's another victory, right? Oh, yeah. So the third step, which I'll tell everyone, but I'm not going to go, I'm not let Ben go, go through this, but like, I'll just tell you guys the third step. The third step is usually asking and finding out if you're doing it for yourself, ask yourself what specific steps do you take to get to where you are? And you might be like, I know exactly what all these steps are. Okay, great. If you know where these steps are, go to each one of these steps and reverse engineer the same thing by asking the same two questions. What was the defeat that got me to the step? And what was the victory that made me realize that I have it, that let me go to the next step? When you understand this, you never run out of content, by the way. So with your story, Ben, if I'm not mistaken, there's a very, very quick way of doing it, would be something along the lines of, I'm not going to say your surname because I always I feel like I'm going to mess it up, so I'm just going to call you Ben. Um, I want to say Ben 10 now, but it's not even <laughs> terrible, I know. Anyway, so here's what I know. Anyway, so here's what I would do. It would be something along the lines of, my name's Ben, and I'm a digital journalist. Um, in 2006, I quickly launched my book only to realize it would reach number 88 on Amazon. And even though that's quite respectable, I knew I was capable of more and I felt X, Y, and Z. You could say that I felt like a failure. I felt like I could do more. I felt actually determined to actually go out and learn more and figure this shit out. Um, so what I did is like, after this setback, I realized I needed to create something that would give me a bigger comeback. And the one metric that I realized I didn't have enough traffic. I didn't have enough eyeballs. I didn't have people. So I decided to form a group or join a group or like start creating this way where I started to interview the other people, hoping to take notes and figure out exactly how to do what they do. And then like reverse engineer it and teach it and write about it in my book only to realize that the, realize these guys knew more about what I wanted to write about than what, what I already existedly knew. So like, I thought I was a master, but then I realized that I'm a cup. I'm still the student. I have a, I'm still climbing the mountain with so many different mountains to go. The good news is I became a proficient quote unquote climber and a better journalist. So what I did is I decided to turn my talents over to actually interview these entrepreneurs, have them on my show, really glean the knowledge they had and share that knowledge with the audience and the people for time to come, whether that was writing through books, whether that's writing project egg or doing anything else. This has led me to go forward and actually being able to interview and meet my heroes, such as, and you list your heroes and who you, uh, whatever it is. And what that means for you now is quite simple. Whenever I have a guest come on, whether that is me teaching you how to actually book yourself solid, how to become an industry um, expert, how to be seen as an authority, how to be seen as someone that has credibility, and most importantly, how to be impactful in a way that influences others while directly affecting your income in a positive manner. I show you how to do all of this and more. So what I do in my system is, and then you go into and you tell them exactly what you sell, what the service that you have, whether it's getting on the show, anything from that, and then you follow them with the clothes and there's a whole sales letter that you can write through that. Like with three questions, you can go through a whole letter. Dude, that's monstrously valuable. Thank you. I mean... <laughs> Because like I always, I, I need people to tell me whether or not what I'm saying is correct because I have that same look that you were giving me, which is kind of like, okay, cool. I'm smiling. I'm getting it. But in my brain, I'm like, have I lost him? Is he like, am I making sense right now? Or is this making sense to me? I yeah, did that yeah. on, dude, I did that on stage like six months ago. And I was looking at like my friend in the crowd going, do I keep going or do I stop? And they're like, just keep going. I was like, 
Okay, cool. I found out, like, <laughs> I only found out like a week ago. Apparently, the reason that entire room was a small room of like 30 people, the reason that entire room was quiet and listening to me was because apparently I was teaching something that they'd never heard before. And they were like, now we have so many questions for him. We just need to take notes. I was like, oh, so it was a good thing. They're like, yeah, chill. You got this. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like at the, at the heart of your copywriting formula or or philosophy or whatever you call it it seems like the journey is really what we're focusing on here right yeah it's entirely it's being able to create that empathetic connection between the two people because like the journey is always there the hero's journey is always going to be there one of the four that you can have um but the way that i focus on it is i and bob Salen said this best to me when i was on his show it was um the difference between what I do and what everyone else does when they come up with stories is they actually come up with stories. What I do is I try and find the realest story, the story that's going to make the most sense that like actually paints you in the light that you need to be painted in in order to get the best results. Otherwise you're just going to come off as everyone else. I mean, there's a whole thing where everyone in the coaching industry uses the same painful story. I was homeless. My kid was bad. I was broke. I didn't know what I wanted. I was in a dead end job. I was like, guys, we've all had this. Do something different. What was what was it about you specifically? What was the thing that made you hate what you do? Was it the fact that you hated your boss so much because they reminded you of your father? Did you hate your day job because it actually put a strain on your relationship and actually led to you and someone that you really cared about breaking up? What was it that actually did that that really pushed you to that degree? And it's like people don't want to like sit down and think about it, but when you do think about it, you hit the higher level. It seems like one of the the other key elements of this is understanding like how you want to be positioned and who you are, who you want to be. It seems like you need some level of clarity in order to apply this framework. What if you don't? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say, no, I totally agree with you. Uh, I would say it does seem like that, but you also have to realize I didn't know who I was for 11, for about 10 years. Because I was so used to writing other people's voices, I never took time to focus down on my own. So I actually used this formula to find out who I was. So for me personally, I was looking at it going, okay, with my copywriting career as a teacher, what was my greatest defeat? I was like, well, I was really high. I was writing a really long like success streak. And like they tell you, no one goes 100% in copywriting. But I always hit, like to give you an idea, I think at the time I had seven thousand eight hundred different campaigns i've done and pieces i've created and then i lost one one i've only had one i'd only had one loss up until that point and now i'm at like that like 11 or twelve thousand like campaigns i've written for i've got like six losses like six clients i've let down maybe seven if that most of them came from last year because i was in a really bad headspace because i was trying to figure my voice out so if you don't know who you are and what you do Get a notepad, write down the top, top page, who am I? And actually list it, go really simple. I am adult, I am a human, I, am, I identify as being male, I have male genitalia. I have black hair, I have a weird colored beard because it's black but ginger underneath, even in the right light, yada, 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 all these things. And then you just keep listing who you are and then you keep going to like, what are my interests? What do I not like? What do I not like? What do I stand for? What do I not stand for? What foods do I like? What foods do I not like? What games do I like? What video, what, what really draws my attention? 
and then go even deeper like what do i want in a partner what do i want in my life what do i it sounds really stupid and long it is stupid and long it's about it took me six and a half hours to write this damn thing out with carpal tunnel and it really sucked and i had to keep taking breaks and by the way that wasn't at six consecutive hours it was like six hours over two weeks because i had to keep coming back to it deleting things coming back and whatever long and short of it is once i found that i was able to find my voice I mean, you got to go through that suck part. You got to hit through that suckiness. On the other side, trust me, it's all gravy. You'll know exactly who you are, what you want, and how you'll get there. Dude, I'm going to repeat the same thing I said earlier. That is powerful. That is massively powerful. So that's two for two now. (laughs) (laughs) Three for three. (laughs) Because one of the things that I see a lot, like a lot, a lot, is somebody who's very talented and they have a lot of different interests. Maybe they can write, maybe they can speak, maybe they can do this. And they're, they're almost not committing to that one thing that's going to take them to the next level and, and give them that, you know, that, that boost or that success that they're looking for. Right. And it, it just seems to me like, this is a really interesting way to almost flesh that out and figure out like exactly what you want to focus on. Entirely. It is. And I'll say this much. The danger is I actually went through that process where to give you an idea, I've written for like 350 different markets. So I couldn't be a niche specific copywriter because I got bored. Uh, And if you're like that, that's fine too. You can be like a multifaceted entrepreneur as much as you want, but here's my advice for you. Once you know exactly who you are at your core, anything is possible. Like, even though I actually do say that I'm a writer and a podcaster and one side or the other, I'm actually an artist. Like, in my heart of hearts, if what is at adult's core at my, like, imagine planet adult at the earth at that center's core is being an artist. That bleeds into everything else I do. When I write, it's artistic. Like, you guys have seen an element of my writing by going and doing Ben's story in a couple of seconds. That's art to me. Um, being able to do the artwork I have because I actually do draw, I've gone back into digital painting. That's artwork for me. Jiu-jitsu and doing like all the moves in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and moving my body around. Art form, lifting weights, art form. Uh, podcasting, art form. Everything is an art form. At least for me. For you, it might be something completely different, but by all means, go, go down that path. It's when you realize what's at your core and how it bleeds into everything you already do, that's when you have like that ability and certainty. And then you can focus on anything. Like right now I'm focusing on I think, four separate copy businesses that I'm writing for, four different voices, actually six different voices, two of them being completed tonight. And I'm still taking on more, but it doesn't matter because the whole art form for me is how can I project the greatness that's in my mind? And that's all I think about. That's all I think about. How can I leave my legacy so when I die, I die empty? And by that, I literally mean how do I die and not have any regrets that everything I did on this planet, I left something behind. Like I left something that was amazing behind. When you were, when you were figuring that out, of figuring out that you are an artist and that's the thing that bleeds through everything else that you're doing. Yeah. When was that aha moment specifically for, for, that, for the artist? January, like four months ago. Um, I can actually tell you what facilitated it. 
it was my buddy Andy Hassong and I were having a really, really good conversation. And Andy said, the thing that pisses me and everyone else that's known you for over a decade, like we've been friends for a long time. It's like everyone that's known you for about a decade, what pisses us off is that you haven't made a million like every single year and been the most badass person here. I was like, why? I'm paraphrasing his words and adding my own because it sounds more cool. His thing was, what pisses us off is the fact that you've not been successful the way that we want you, that we can see you being successful because you don't believe in yourself. The other way just made me sound a little bit more cooler and gave me some drive in what it was. So, yay, fun side. Uh, love you, Andy. I would never twist your words. I just wanted to put my own little fun paraphrase to them. But uh, what ends up happening is that like, I got that belief given to me. I got that inner permission to say, I can go ahead and look at this. So I did. The thing is that once I had it, I realized I could have given myself that permission a long time ago. So everyone listening right now thinking, I need permission to do this? No, you don't. Just start doing it and be like, reassure yourself when you're going down the path and go, no, I got this. I have permission to do this. This is okay. I'm allowed to be successful. And trust me, you'll start passing down that pathway and find your goal very, very quickly. Well, I think sometimes it does help to be to be told like, hey, you have permission. So for anybody that, or for everybody that is watching and listening, like, please take this as that moment. Yep. Please take this as that moment. Like, you Thank have you. permission. We're giving it to you. Absolutely, hundred percent, a hundred percent. Man, I did not. I did not think this is where our conversation was going to go. But I'm so glad that it did. I'm so glad that it did. You mentioned a little bit earlier how one of the you know one of the goals of writing the copy of of creating that art is to connect you know one one person to to another connect those people what's your philosophy on developing deep meaningful and genuine connection with another person i know we talked about it a little bit but i really want to drill down there okay is this like on copy or is this like in person I'm not sure there's a difference. Slight difference. Um, because, in par- because in person, you have the ability to make, you can have humor. You can make fun of things and you can bond very quickly over humor. But I'd say in copy, what really helps me gain empathy for my audience, partially because I do have, um, I hate saying this because so many people say it, but like, no, I actually am an empath because I do pick up other people's emotions and it sucks. And sometimes it rocks. It's kind of the joys of being an extra but um the the thing that i actually have so let's take away that advantage and let's just say how would i do it if i was writing ads i always look at people's pain very differently because a lot of people have this whole adage where it's like find that pain twist the knife let them bleed out and then go ahead and help them i'm like no nah, i don't like that i like doing this where the analogy that i like to use is that my customer is walking around in the dark uh, falling into piranha pits. You're not dying, just getting bit a couple of times. Along, he, uh, I come along and I have a flashlight and a map and says, this is how you know exactly where to go. And my whole thing is, hey man, let me get you out of this, let me get you out, let me put you in my, in my RV, let's put you in front of a mirror, let's show you that you got a couple of piranha bites, let's take them off, let's put a little back team on them and let's patch you up. Oh, by the way, if you're leaving um, and you plan to go your own way, do me a favor. Take this flashlight and this map with you. If you want it, you can buy it. If you don't want to, feel free to go down the journey that you want to go down. 
but here's a radio and I'll keep in touch with you. That's the analogy I have in my head. Because now what I'm doing is whenever I speak to people and I have a very specific audience I like to attract, uh, I like people that are funny. I like people that have a sense of humor, that have uh, like similar things that I do, that watch similar shows that I do, the video gamers, the movie people, they like human psychology, they read a ton of books. They like podcasting, like talking. Those are my people. So I innately send out this signal saying, that's what I want to see. So that's basically how I create a, a tribe and really get to know what they're trying, what they are feeling is because what they're feeling is what I've already felt or am feeling. And more importantly, I can go ahead and be like, hey, let me share this with you. Let me, let me give this to you. Let me have, let me give you this one little part of me so you can actually uh, connect to. Let's have a conversation. Case in point, one of my best friends, we, she literally messaged me a little bit earlier going, how's your Monday going? Uh, or what did you do this morning? I think it was. I said, woke up, watched Game of Thrones. Have you seen it yet? And they were like, no. I was like, damn. I'm not going to give you any spoilers. Like, damn it. It's like, I've got to finish work. I've got to come up. I've got to finish work and go watch it. Cool. No worries. Have a great day. Bye. Just so much fun stuff between interaction. They're on my mailing list. They're actually one of my clients as well. They've been on my mailing list. Uh, and we'll go back and forth by talking about this on my mailing list. How much I love Game of Thrones. How to do cold opens. Why I'm like studying weird video techniques even though i'm not a guy that does a lot of videos though i should be doing more videos um so that empathy really just comes from a place of and it's gonna sound weird it's from a place of complete um selfishness because i know myself i know who i want to talk to so that's who i'm basically constantly weeding out of my circles i'm like oh you're not my type of person cool peace out like no, no love lost. Just see you later. This is not the person I want to hang out with. Um, at the same time with like in-person stuff, usually I know that within a couple of minutes. So I'll attempt to make a joke at my own ex expense. And if they laugh, we're good. If they don't laugh, I know it's a peace out moment for me. So that's basically it. That's how I create the empathy. It's, guess, it's a really roundabout way of saying it, but if you wanted to take home the steps of doing this, number one, go back to that document that you created. Number two, find out exactly what makes you laugh. And number three, write to that version of you. When you start writing to that version of you on your face, uh, social media that you're mostly writing to yourself, other people will chime in and you'll know who your tribe is. Why is humor so important to you? Oh man. Okay, so this is a fun question because not a lot of people ask me this. And there is a very, very specific reason. It's not just because it feels good. It's because when I was growing up, I had a pretty tough childhood. Uh, when I was 12, I think it was, uh, I had my first bipolar incident because I, I thought bipolar type one, but it, you know, it's under control mostly. Uh, I had a situation where I was feeling really terrible. So I made someone else laugh. I don't know why I did. I made someone else giggle. And like that, the endorphin rush I got off of making another human laugh was so amazing that I was like, okay, I want to be, I'm, I'm going to make it my goal that I have to make one person laugh every day of my life. And it's been 17 years since that day that I made that promise to myself and I haven't stopped making at least one person laugh every day. Like at least one person has to laugh every single day. Like even if I'm by myself, this is how crazy it is. I can spend the whole day and be like, I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm literally going to go downstairs and get the mail. I'll walk out my door. I'll meet my neighbor. I'll make them laugh and go back upstairs and go, that was cool. And just get on with my day. Or I'll say something really stupid. Like I'm not prone to saying stupid shit. I do it all the time. I, I was trying to explain like the difference between a fire pit and a barbecue to a friend of mine. I was like, no, I really want to get a fire pit. 
And they're like, yeah. And they're like, then you can like roast s'mores over it. And I was like, I don't want to roast s'mores. I'll just put like some chicken on it and put it on the side. They're like, oh, turn to, like it'll be a barbecue. I'm like, no, it's not. It's just a thing that I'm cooking food on that isn't supposed to be cooked. It got really bad, like to the point where my friends like, I don't think he knows the difference between a barbecue and a fire. <laughs> I, like, I do know, but you're being weird. Eventually it came onto my side, but still just ripped into me the rest of the time. They're still making fun of me now. <laughs> like this, they literally made fun of me like two hours ago. When, when you first meet somebody and I believe you said you make a joke at your own expense. And if they laugh, then they're in. But if they don't laugh, that's kind of a telltale sign. Why is that the litmus test? Because I like people that can be, be comfortable around themselves. And I make jokes at my own expense for so many things. Dude, I'm brown, have a beard. I look unkempt as shit because, again, moved home. All my stuff's in like boxes I still need to look through. How messed up is this? I found my clipper but it's out of battery. So I'm like, no charge it, damn it. <laughs> so I look like the Wolfman for a couple of more days. Um, but that, that's the sense of humor. That's the sense of humor I have that I'll make fun of myself. I'm brown. I make terrorist jokes worse than everyone else because I'm like, I know you're thinking it, but I'll make fun of it first. And then you'll be like, oh, it's cool to make fun of him with that. I was like, yeah, but know that if you make fun of me for this, you've given me permission to make fun of you. And if you can't handle that, we can't be friends because I'll make fun of you like till the cows come home. But I won't ever do it in a way that's mean. I'll always do it in a way that'll make you laugh. So for me, it's that's why it's so important. But it allow it gives it gives the other person permission to let their guard down while simultaneously giving me permission to continually connect with them as humans. When you're building these connections with people, whether it be in you know in real life or uh, an event like this or you're mailing your list or you're creating something for your tribe, how vulnerable do you get? And what's, what's your, I guess, theory or, or, or uh, what are your thoughts on vulnerability? Yeah. Cause that's become quite a big thing lately. Like everyone's been like, I'm so vulnerable. Okay. You guys got to realize I had my God way up for a really long time. In fact, to the point that I was actually oblivious to it. Um, I actually hated myself and I didn't realize that's how messed up my psychosis was. I actually thought I was loving myself but in reality. I was self-loathing. Um, talk about a little head fuck there. Had my head unfucked by my friend who basically really helped me out and go through a transformational process last year, which was painful by the way. It was this time last year. Well, this time, 13 months ago, it was exactly this time 13 months ago that I found my life's purpose and I found happiness from that. From that point, I could be vulnerable. Before that, I felt really awkward being vulnerable. But being vulnerable isn't, hey, let me tell you about every sad thing that happens to me or every happy thing that happens to me. It's like, no, what do I want to share that makes sense, that really makes sense? Okay, if I'm being vulnerable, and I'm sharing that I was, at one point, I lost all the money I had. I was facing eviction. I was in a new city and my sister was being crazy with me. And like, you know, that really, really pushed me to a point where, you know, I was having like really dark, messed up thoughts. If I'm sharing that, there has to be a reason to it. There can't be just like, I'm sharing this for like people to like me and whatever, because yeah, likes don't pay, they don't pay bills and they don't get put, they don't, they don't put money in the bank. All that does is say to other people, you're unreliable, that you're emotional, and that you will actually bail when you can, when you need to. When in reality, the way that you can save that story is just by saying, 
I remember that day. I remember that day and it sucked. So I don't ever want to go through that day. It's one of the reasons why I actually work my ass off to make sure that I can do what I'm doing, which is why I'm admitting this. Because I want you to know, you might be in that very same situation where you want to quit. Trust me, you can take steps forward and you'll get there. And if you need someone to talk to, send me a message. Now that's turned you into someone that's endearing. Instead of being a whiner, you're turning into a winner and you're helping other winners come by. That's how you're doing it. Vulnerability for the sake of being vulnerable is a fake marketing tactic that's stupid. Being vulnerable for a real reason to help people out and actually put the good in the world, by all means, I'm right there with you. And how I become vulnerable in what I do is I share what I feel is, is, is worthy. Like, I don't talk about my religious beliefs on anything, really. Unless I'm, like, in passing, like, oh, I grew up this way or, I, you know, these are my beliefs. But they're just touched upon and then passed on because the way I look at it, that's the level of vulnerability I don't need you to know. The level of vulnerability that you should know is why I can help you. Like, why can I say, why can I talk you through, why can, why can I talk you off the ledge? Well, because I've been on the ledge. So let me tell you how to get off the ledge. Okay, you don't know how to forgive your father. Well, neither did I. Let me show you how I forgive my father or how you can get over that pain. Not that I teach any of this stuff because it's all for me, but like for my friends, I do this for them. So it's just the thing. You mentioned earlier about creating content. And once you get the, once you get those two facets of, and I, I believe this is how you uh, you you phrase it. And I don't. Oh, dude, no, I'll I'll change it if it if it is. I'll yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> so it's like the the biggest obstacle, the biggest hurdle, the biggest failure, and then the the big success. And you said when you can tap into those, you can create an unlimited amount of content. Yeah, especially when you got step three, which is you've mapped it out. Because like, take it this way. So I'll give you an example uh, with you. And I'm making this up because I don't know. One of your steps to actually get back to there would be, okay, I need to get more people and speak to more people. The defeat, like, and I need to get more connections. Okay, so what's that step? So step one to victory was get more connections. Okay, so what was the defeat in trying to connect with other people? The defeat was people didn't want to talk to me because they didn't know who I was and growing my list was kind of hard. And you know, people do, interview, like, do interviews with me was kind of interesting. So it was a bit of a difficulty initially. There was tech help I needed and it was crazy. What was your success? Well, I managed to get in front of a couple of people. They managed to actually pass my name around. I got the right people. I got the right systems. And then that moved me to step two, which is actually getting interviews and distributions and distributing. Okay, so what was my defeat in distribution? I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know where to put my stuff, blah, 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 blah. What was the victory? Well, I did all this amazing stuff and I'm, out eight, I'm live streaming on 18 different places at the same time. I've got this, I'm able to speak to like people like Grant Cardone whenever, whenever I can, I can interview them. I've made these all amazing, uh, these amazing connections and I'm at a point where I've got distribution and eyeballs coming in. Okay, what's the next step? Something to sell. I need the right offer. Okay, what was, and you can see how every single one of these spells out at least five or six different pieces of content. And that's how you create the unlimited content model. Because now, let's just say like one of the um, hurdles that you faced in the mini steps that you took to get over, like say connecting with people was no one knows who I am. Okay, so was my greatest defeat in people not knowing who I am. They didn't know who I am, so they didn't read my emails and it really, really hurt because they would say yes and then say no, like I'll try to get on my show and they'll cancel. Okay, what was the greatest victory? Now people email me to get on my show. So it's like, damn, that's a 180 switch. Yeah, and this is how it feels. And now you've got like a whole little, like another five pieces of content. 
you can keep going lower and lower until like you, you're just like everything that's there is built up. So this, this is how the, the greatest defeat to greatest victory, that line, it looks like it's small, simple steps. But when you go into each one of those steps and break them down and go into the breakdowns of the breakdowns of the breakdowns of the breakdowns of the breakdowns, trust me, you have unlimited content created right there. That is powerful. Because the the question that that I was gonna ask was, okay, well, how do you how do you like keep going with it, and and you just keep drilling down into what you've already talked about, and then your journey is gonna keep progressing. So you're always gonna have new, bigger, higher level things that you can continue to drill down to. That's exactly. Really. And say you want to like move to different markets, like you have a different experience. Well, okay, here's another one for you. Uh, what was my greatest defeat? Um, in jujitsu, it was when I thought I was going to get my blue belt and I didn't. I had to wait a whole damn year. I actually stopped training for three months because I was sulking like an like an a hole, and I also got I also got ill because I had ringworm. Um, okay, so what was your greatest victory? Actually, getting my blue belt on the day presented by both one of my best friends and one of my instructors, and also our head instructor in front of our entire um, team, and both instructors said something nice about me, which was insane because everyone else has had one person. We had two. It was crazy. Okay. Um, I'm teaching jujitsu, let's just say, or I'm teaching marketing. I'm going through this entire event here. I go, okay, what was the first thing I did? Well, I got back up. I went back into the gym. I spoke to my coach about what I could do. Okay, great. Step one, got back up, find out what you could do. Step two, started training consistently. Step three, after taking time off, stopped sulking and actually got his shit together and went back and doing what he loves doing. Step four, worked really hard and trained. Step five, became consistent. Step six, got his blue belt. Okay, let's go back to step one. How did you start training after such a letdown? Okay, well, I had to speak to my coach. That's the first thing. Second thing, whatever. Okay, how does that translate to business, Adol? Quite simple. You take the same steps and you turn them into marketing. So when I was doing jujitsu, I found that like I didn't get my blue belt, and that was a horrible defeat for me. The victory was I got my blue belt. So what I did is I went through seven specific steps. One, two, three, four, five, seven, or six. And each one you listen. You say, over the next couple of days, I'm going to tell you exactly how each one of these steps actually applies to your marketing and how it will basically help you get from where you are to where you want to be anytime you've been let down. You're telling the same struggle story of like the same shit that you went through through your business journey, but through a different medium and a different message. In that same sense, it's twice as effective because there's an old saying. It's not the message that becomes diluted. It's the messenger. If the messenger sounds the same every single time and the message sounds the same every single time, people will become numb. So by changing the messenger's voice or tonality or something about them and changing the message or doing both will actually get people out of their shell shock and get them awake and going, oh, okay, cool. Now I understand. It creates familiarity, content, and actually gets people to have the new around them. You know what's really interesting about about what you're saying and and this process or, or or strategy or way of and it's almost like a way of a way of life of 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 going about communicating. Um, one of one of my favorite books of all time is actually right here, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Great book. That is like exactly the storytelling method in the book. Like for example. I remember one story about uh, Abraham Lincoln and he had a general who wasn't, um, you know, performing it at the level that he needed to be performing at. And so the problem was the general wasn't really performing the, you know, the, the win was, Hey, 
like trying to get to the point where he was and, and getting him to that point or, or finding a new person to, you know, take that place and whatever the win was, it was exactly that same formula that, you know, Dale Carnegie, one of the greatest, uh, self-help authors of all time and one of arguably one of the uh, one of the most influential authors of of our generation and and of our of the century maybe um uses that same framework so i think (laughs) it's it's definitely rooted in some very very powerful uh very 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 powerful uh fundamentals of of communication and writing and psychology so um it's very interesting man it's just that's just what, what jumped out question for you that's awesome though it's a great book oh yeah it's a fantastic book um question for you Thir- you said 13 months ago you really discovered your life's passion yeah what is I, it uh it's gonna sound a bit weird it's esoteric but i actually have it written down on my but i actually have it written down on my phone so i don't forget <laughs> like constantly it's two it's twofold so the first one is um I'll give you guys the overall mission, but it applies to me. So my mission in life is quite simply to inspire others or inspire everyone really and myself in this to feel embraced, happy, wanted, loved, and empowered. So anytime I meet people, that's what I want to leave them with. And how I do it's very specific, by the way, because I actually also figured out what my modality of finding these things out are. I'll never ask what is up or what's wrong. I'll always ask what's up. If I ask that question when you're having a bad day, that's my way of actually working through the cognitive, like, how do I determine what the best path in this is? So it's like, Ben, what's uh, like, I'm sad, Ben, what's up? Oh, um, you know, just this thing's bugging me. Okay, cool. Let's talk about that. And then I'll figure out like two or three little details and go, okay, so here's how you basically fix it. Bam. Here's your formula. Go do this and be happy. Or I don't have money in my business. Okay. Why don't you have money? Like what's wrong? I don't know how I'm going to get a client, a client today. Okay. So what do we need to do to get clients? Blah, blah, blah. blah. Tell me a story. Okay, cool. Let's come up with a fat formula and plan. Let's go do this. Bam. It's like 30 seconds or like a minute or two. And I actually have a formula in my brain that goes for it. So that's basically what my life's passion and purpose is. It's to inspire others and myself to feel happy. Well, it's exactly to feel um, embraced, happy, wanted, loved, and empowered in that order. Do you feel like that's going to evolve over time? I believe it will, but I think that's actually the core of it all. Like that, that's where the artist's framework is for me like i might uh, i think one or two things might add to that is like i'm inspired to create so much to force uh, not to force but to envelop those feelings and others it's interesting i'm a weird person at times that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) it is awesome and it's awesome that uh that you took the time to come on to the show today and and talk to us about it and share all that you have. So I want to, I want to thank you very much for, uh, for doing so and for sharing this time with me. Dude, thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. Like, I'm glad that I made you giggle. That was always the best part. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I have a, a few, few more questions for you, then we'll wrap up. Sure. Um, what's your greatest theory? My greatest theory on what? Whatever. Comes oh, life. Okay. Uh, my greatest theory. Wow. I have like so many theories of this. All right, so let's find one that is cohesive. I used to have one when I was a kid. And this is nothing to do with business, but I think this really shapes the way I view the world. Um, I have this view that like every person on earth is literally nothing more than a blank mannequin walking around. 
and our personalities and our brains and everything else is basically what projects through the front and that's the hologram we see as people so yeah that's basically like the theory the theory is basically the, the whole reason behind it is why do some people see each other as being beautiful and other people are seeing ugly? Well, it's because the mannequin they're portraying is actually their inner world reflecting outward into this holographic body that's being shown to us. That's one of the theories. The other one, I've got so many, like I've once on like the tree of life and understanding like how destiny works and other things is very, very simple as like my theory on human behavior and what we're going to do next is that we're going to hit a plateau uh, as a society and we're, we're already seeing this, but we're already hitting de-evolution de uh, where we're actually going backwards into more tribal thought and tribal think than we are right now in expansive thought and expansive think because we're not actually ready to do so. Um, and in doing so, we'll actually have a betterment of stuff, but we actually won't at the same time. There'll be like a lot of infighting, but ultimately like benefits us and helps us move forward. Uh, and ultimately the way that works in terms of my theory to do with business specifically is um, being a, the person that who tells, not just tells the best story, but the one that feels their story, that is true to their story, that's true to what they've gone through, is the one that wins everything. The person that's truest to what they are. So the truest will actually rise to the top. And that's my theory on life. That's my theory on business is like, you got to get there just by being good, uh, but simultaneously you got to promote yourself. So I give you like six different theories there by accident. Well, that's great. And the the very last one, and I wish I do wish we had more time because I would love to dive into each and every one of those in extreme. Round two. Round two <laughs> Definitely round two. Um, but yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. The truest will rise because I, I feel like people are getting just over corporate speak and like talking to a brick wall of corporateness and business they want to talk to an actual human and want to connect with an actual person so i, I think you're absolutely right i totally agree with that theory yeah i agree like that, that's something i see so very often is people do want that they want to have that feel exactly so two more questions for you one what or is there anything about yourself that you think is an important part of who you are that I did not ask you about today? In other words, what did I miss? What did you miss about me that I'm surprised you didn't ask me about the podcast? That's the one thing I'm surprised by. So I'll explain why. Podcasting is an extension of me. Actually, it's not even podcasting. You didn't ask me what medium works best for communication. And as always, face-to-face -face is the one that I would go with. But it's really down to how you're comfortable. Because I'm a writer, but I hate doing written posts. My personal favorite thing in the world, podcasting and videos. I hate editing. That's the only thing. I dislike editing. So I always try and like do it as raw as possible and get it right in one take. Um, and the reason behind that is quite simple. And the reason why I actually say, like, to answer my own question I'm posing that you actually asked me is what medium is correct is because if you know exactly how you personally think and feel and act, that will ultimately come through in the authenticity of what you're saying to others. So, yeah, that's basically it. So, by the way, for the, for the videos and that stuff where you're saying you don't like editing, maybe live streaming is the answer to that. 
because I've been do- I've, I'm doing that right now. I think this week, uh, the week of the 22nd of April, 2019. Um, yeah, I'm doing seven straight days of seven different pieces of copy content to go out like just randomly. I'm like, all right, let's, let's do this and see what we can do. Because live stream is fun, but I love podcasting so much more. I think it's also because live streaming, right now I look like a wolf man and my friends do not let me live it down. This is how crazy <laughs> it is. I'm, you guys can see this. Like my head doesn't look that long, but when I pull it down, it's like way down to here. And like, it's a freaking hot mess of ridiculousness. And my friend Courtney Blair, who I love, well, not Courtney Blair anymore, but Zippy Content Courtney. I don't think she goes by that surname anymore. Um, but Courtney, she basically always tunes into my live streams to like, not make fun, but comment on my hair. <laughs> She's like, please don't cut your hair. We love your hair. <laughs> I was like, thank you. <laughs> so weird, but okay. <laughs> yeah. So that was that. So last question for you. Sure. Um, I'm 24. Yes. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about what I'm doing and you know, I have the show and I have, a, I have another business outside of it as well. But what question should I be asking you, specifically me, asking specifically you with your experience, wisdom, knowledge, your genius that I just wouldn't think to ask? How do I become a better copywriter? Specifically, the reason I say copywriting is because it combines sales, marketing, strategy, and empathy all into one with great storytelling. So like, how do I become a better person like that? Or how do I become a better story storyteller? Storyteller. That would be the question I'd have you ask me. Can you answer those questions? No, I can't. Of course not. Of course I can. Clearly. Uh, okay. So how do you become a better copywriter? Well, I'm going to give you three practices and anyone listening is more than welcome to join. These are the three practices I give everyone in my copy cups. I'm going to give you two book recommendations, okay? Actually, two book recommendations and one video recommendation. Um, that one's going to suck a little bit because I'm going to effectively spoil books and movies for you forever. Um, so number one, find your favorite movie that makes you feel every emotion you think you can feel. Or like hits a high level of emotion um, and then study it. Sit down with a notepad and go, why do I laugh at that joke? Like note down the times that you laugh and go, why do I laugh? Why do I feel emotion? Why do I cry? Why do I feel like crying? Why do I feel happy? Why do I feel inspired? Write that down. Then go back and watch those scenes over and over again and break them down. Notepad. Why is this happening? Write what's going on. Write down why it's feeling this way and try and express it in a way that makes sense to you. The reason I'm feeling this way is because Rocky is hugging Apollo and it's like a rivalry has been buried and now best friends. Okay, why does that matter to me? Why does that force me? And you go down to self-excursion. In that time period with the movie, that's the number one thing, you'll figure out exactly how to write in an empathetic way to make people feel that way. You will understand how to write that way. So that gave you, that's like a whole new tool belt of emotions to use. Second thing is I would get you to start, um, if you don't do this already, handwrite some good copy, like find some really old ads and people are like really pains in the ass about this, but get a notepad and pen, like old school and there is a reason. Write that shit down by hand because it actually etches good behavior on the back of your head. Uh, on the back of your brain, sorry. It actually etches that shit in. So you'll actually realize between what's good and bad very quickly. It helps the filter come through. The reason why you, you want to use old ads and new ads as well that convert really well is because old ads are timeless human psychology. New ads are new age switches that we're looking at. 
we haven't really evolved all that much, but we're looking at things differently. So this, the new stuff is like how the new people are speaking. The old stuff is the base psychology that's underneath. The third thing I told you, I'm going to give you some recommendations. This is the third thing. Number three, pick up, a, start reading really good novels and start reading, watching really good movies. Look for shows that have really high ratings and study them because you will find a wealth of information. Also become open to learning from different teachers, not just the ones that you like. Like literally look at the bad guys as well and find out why they do things. Um, Carl Rove recently released a masterclass on um, how him and I can't remember the other guy basically did the campaign for George Bush in 2000, 2001 and how they won it. Um, here's the thing. You don't think that I'm going to look at that and go, how the hell did they get a dummy into office? Okay, let's study that. That's what I'm looking at it with. I don't like Carl Rove. Screw that guy. He hates people who look like me. But you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go study him because he's pretty amazing at what he does. Let's go do that. Uh, the other thing that I'm going to get you guys to watch. So number one, pick up a copy of Chris Carter, Crucifix Killer. It's a really simple read. And the reason I say this book is because I went through a reading burnout a few years ago. I couldn't read anything, specifically fiction as well. And I got through his book in two and a half days, just powered through that book. So I loved every single bit. Study that book as a way of actually knowing how to build very quick continuity um, in a book that you don't know and also create intrigue and interest, including doing plot twists correctly. That's a great book for it. Two, the other book, the videos they want, the other book I want you to go read would be, if you can get your hands on it, Breakthrough Advertising by Eugene Schwartz. It's absolutely brilliant. You can pick it up from my friend, Brian Kurtz. Uh, just type in uh, Breakthrough Advertising, Eugene, uh, what was it, Brian Kurtz. It'll, he'll come up on his site and you can actually go ahead and get it for, I think, 97 or 197 bucks, which is a bargain because if you're trying to buy it on Amazon, it's like two, 300 bucks all the way up to a couple of thousand bucks. It's a very good book. Um, videos, I want you to go watch. Number one, I'm very conscious of time. Uh, number one, it's uh, if for me. I do you play video games? Do you play video games at all? Uh, yeah. Okay, some people don't. They're really weird. What's your favorite video game? Well, growing up, to be honest with you, is World of Warcraft. I played the shit out of that game. Yeah, wow, was amazing. Not gonna lie, I was a mage for a really long time. As a hunter. Oh. <laughs> Fine, screw you then. Uh, <laughs> But no, I was going to say real quickly, though, like, um, so I played Gears of War growing up. I love Gears of War. I think it's one of the best emotionally well-written games ever. And I suggest people check that out or Mass Effect, whatever. It's just the first three games. The reason is you can go on YouTube. It's about six hours long. Look through the videos and study the cutscenes. When you study the cutscenes, you'll actually have a full understanding of what's going on. And most importantly, you'll be able to... Um, dissect those to realize how you feel emotionally. So do the same thing you do with movies, but with the six hour thing. And I guarantee you will feel every fucking emotion under the sun and you'll know how to write about it as well. Yes, that's awesome. Boom. There you yeah. go. There's a, there's a three, three. <laughs> it's about five and five right now. Cause you said that before you said like two more early in this show. I'm going to take those. Oh, yeah, you should definitely three, take that. Three by three, that's fine. I'll get three by three and a double win on the awesome scale. <laughs> okay, <laughs> perfect. So, again, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much, uh, Adel, for thank coming on the show. I really do appreciate it and uh, very grateful for the time that we've been able to share together. As that well was as my cat. Yep, she finally managed to get on the screen as well. Like, all this time, we've got two and she managed to get on the screen. She's famous. <laughs> she is. Like the other one's way more famous, but she is as well. But dude, thank you so much for having me. And I hope we can do this again. I'd love to come back again to uh, do a second round.
Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And to everybody who's watching, listening, regardless of when you're watching, listening. Um, thank you so much. I love y'all very, very much. Y'all are the reason that I do this and I cannot thank you enough. So thank you. Thank you. I'll thank you. I'll see you on the next episode. If you're listening, watching, whatever, I'll see you there. So hey guys, right. thanks for having me. Bye. Absolutely. Let's change the world.